there's a story attached to these shirts that we're wearing. So I want to encourage you that after the gathering is over and you guys are eating donuts and drinking a little coffee and hanging out, just ask each other, what's the story attached to your, to your jersey? If you're not wearing a jersey, uh, ask the person if you were wearing a t-shirt or a jersey, what school would it represent? What team would it represent? What would be the story? Shout amen. Amen. That way we get to know each other just uh, on a deeper level and in a, through a, a different set of lenses. Now, so let's get busy. The Super Bowl is in uh, the backdrop of our mind. I know that uh, some of us are going to go and watch it and some of us are going to go and ignore it. And uh, it's like, Super Bowl, please, let's hurry up and get past this weekend. Uh, but since most of the nation is fixated on it, we thought we'd use it as a good teaching moment. So Hebrews chapter 11, um, and uh, beginning at uh, uh, verse uh, 35, and if we're going to throw it up on the screen, and if you're able to stand, just stand, and uh, that's how we honor the reading of God's Word here. If you can do that comfortably, if for whatever reason you need to be seated, that's okay also. All right, now, this is a very unique passage of Scripture that we're about to read, and I want you to keep it in, in the, the Super Bowl is in the backdrop. It is an unusual text, particularly when it comes to Christian faith. All right, so let me read it. It says, women receive their loved ones back again from death. Everybody shout miracles. miracles. Now watch what happens after this. But others were tortured, tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Other were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Talking about the martyrs throughout the history of faith. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Somebody shout amen. Please be seated. Lord, we thank you for this moment to teach and proclaim your word. Let your spirit fall. Open our eyes. Open our hearts. Change our lives just a little bit, would you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good. Uh, let me start off by saying that uh, I really don't care who wins the Super Bowl today. Just because I don't have a team in it. Uh, uh, if, uh, if I had a team, maybe it would have been the Patriots because I was in Boston for almost 20 years. Uh, and... Uh, I like folk on Philadelphia, so uh, let me just give that disclaimer, because I'm about to talk about one of the people who's in the Super Bowl today, but I just want you to know I'm not trying to push one way or the other, because the 49ers are not there. Okay. <laughs> and the Raiders are not there. All right. So uh, uh, can somebody shout Raiders? Uh, just for all my Raiders fans. <laughs> all right. So, so. Uh, there's a young man playing in the Super Bowl today by the name of Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith is a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, the first thing I want to point out about Torrey Smith's life is that he is a devoted follower of Jesus. The other thing I want to lift up here is that in order for him to get to where he is, he had to overcome, everybody shout overcome, some pretty tremendous hardships. Tory was born in Virginia in January 1989 to a 16-year-old young teenager 
whose name is Monica. By the time Tori was born, he would be the first of seven children. His father, uh, uh, can you say hardships? Hardships. His, uh, he grew up not really knowing his father, not having a positive male role model in his life. By the time he was seven years old, because his mother went to school during the day and she worked two jobs at night, by the time he was seven years old, it was Tory who was taking care at that point, his three younger siblings. He was cooking, he was fixing breakfast for them. He was washing several loads of laundry. Uh, he was making sure that they got out to go to school and made sure that he got out to go to school while maintaining honor roll grades. Okay, let's celebrate that. I think that's pretty tremendous. Can you say hardships? Hardships. A few years later, his mother marries a gentleman. Turns out he is a very destructive fella. And Tory and his siblings live through uh, almost uh, a decade of some of the worst domestic violence you can imagine. There's stories of he and his siblings hiding in a car, uh, being dropped off at their grandmother's as his mother flees into the night fearing her life. Can somebody shout hardships? hardships. Nevertheless, his physical education uh, instructor recognized that Tory was uniquely gifted and got him into a summer program and made sure that the bills was paid so he could go because Tory couldn't afford it. And that led to him becoming a football star in high school, which ultimately got him recruited by the University of Maryland. And that ultimately led to him being drafted by the Baltimore Ravens, and he spent two years here as a 49er. Uh, and this last year, uh, he is now with Philadelphia playing in the Super Bowl. Praise God. I would also point out that this fellow who grew up without a positive role model in his life, as a, a male role model in his life as a father, or as a husband in the house, he is now the father of two wonderful kids and the husband of a wonderful wife, a healthy husband, a healthy father. And if you would ask him, because this is people asked him, how do you explain this turnaround? How do you explain this kind of uh, notion of moving from the bottom to where you are? Becoming the father, the husband, the man, the football player that you are, Tory would say it was God. That's what he would say. It was God. It was God. Yeah, you can celebrate that. That's worth celebrating. <laughs> he would say that it was God. And what he would mean by that, because you always have to ask, what do you mean by that? What he would mean by that, it was the grace of God that created opportunities for him. It was, a, it was a protection of God, if you will, that in the midst of trauma, traumatizing domestic violence, somehow enabled to preserve him and his uh, siblings. It's the gifts of God that uh, opened up for him the opportunity uh, that put him on a path towards becoming the superstar that he is. It is the principles, the truths of God revealed in Scripture that he started to take very seriously in college that really created for him a roadmap to become the man, the husband, uh, the Jesus follower, 
the father that he is. He would say it is God. If you ask a social scientist who looks at Tory's life, a social scientist would say it's grit. Come on, everybody shout grit. So social scientists would say it's grit. It's the, it's, 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 it's the ability not to stop. It's the ability to get up after life knocks you down, after failure knocks you down, after pain knocks you down, uh, but, but, but you refuse to stay down. You keep getting up. You keep moving forward. Uh, social scientists would call that grit, grit, grit. If you ask me, I would say it's both. That one of the ways of understanding faith, our ability to trust God, that activates us and moves us through life is through this word, grit. Everybody shout grit. As a matter of fact, mature faith involves grit, and grit always involves, even if you're not a believer, grit always involves some kind of faith. The ability to keep getting up, getting up, getting up. So you ask the question, well, what does grit mean? And as I was kind of looking at how I wanted to define it, I was talking to my wife last night, and I was just sharing with her an interesting observation. I like uh, words pop out at me. And, and I noticed that when I look at the word grit, that if I add an S to it, I have grits. <laughs> Everybody shout grits. Yes. yes. And it just reminded me when I was a kid growing up, I used to like eating Pop-Tarts and peaches, but my mom from time to time and my grandmother also especially would uh, regularly make a pot of grits. And she would say, boy, you need to eat these grits because you need something that's going to stick. <laughs> Everybody shout stick. Uh, so, <laughs> tell the person next to you, don't forget to eat your grits. Tell them, don't forget to eat your grits. <laughs> tell them, because you need something to go stick. Come on, you need something that's going to stick. And that is the definition of grit. And that is the definition of faith that activates us in life. That is the center, the core of how Tory moved from domestic violence to being a Super, Super Bowl superstar. It is this notion of grit. Uh, through his faith, he was able to stick. Stick. You need to be able to stick to not give up. There's a social scientist by the name of um, Angela Duckworth. She's written a book that uh, is entitled Grit and uh, the Power of Passion uh, and uh, what is the other thing? Power of Passion and Perseverance. And she tells a story in the book that is a fascinating story. She uh, did some research at West Point Military School. And she points out that every year, starting in their junior year, 14,000 high schoolers uh, begin the application process for uh, West Point. By the time it's over, two years later, uh, West Point will ultimately select about 1,400. The 1,400 will start their year, uh, and, and one of the first 
challenges that they face is something that they call the beast. And it is a kind of like an 11-week course that is something like a 17, 18-hour-a-day, just some of the most grueling academic and physical activities that you can find. And these are some of the top-rated students, uh, best athletes, etc., in the country. I, I like this notion, the beast. Everybody shout, the beast. I think that's great. That's just a great analogy for life. Because sometimes life feels like the beast, as it has a way of kind of devouring us. And that was a great analogy they used for this program. Here's what she did. She developed a, a test that ultimately could figure out because about 20% of the people would drop out. Ultimately, she developed a test to predict who would drop out. She called it the grit test. And at the end of the day, here's what she figured out. That the people who made it through the beast were not those who had the highest SAT and ACT scores. Were not those who were ranked the highest in their class. Was not necessarily the, the, most, uh, the, the greatest performing athletes. In other words, it, it wasn't the most talented. That the people who survived the beast and made their way through West Point ultimately were those who had the most grit. The ability to stick. To stay in it. To stay with it. No matter what the obstacle or no matter what the challenge. Grit. Faith at its best has at its center grit. Now, we go back to the text that we read. It's eye-opening when we think about this. Super illuminating. Because the first few verses, if you actually start, you know, we've been re working through Hebrews chapter 11. And if you haven't read, I encourage you to go home and read it. It's fascinating. And the reoccurring theme is this notion is by faith, by faith. In other words, I mean by trust in God, these various things took place. And in verse 33, starting at verse 33 through verse 35, what you will notice is the author frames for us as he's pushing towards the end of this chapter. The very thing that is often most attractive about faith and the very thing that is often the most misleading about faith. He frames it in this particular passage. Listen to what he says. He says, by faith. Everybody shout, by faith. By trust in God. Watch this. These people, and he's already named these great heroes of the biblical text, overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. Watch this. Next verse. Quench the flames of fire. You can just hear the biblical stories. Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego as he's talking about it. He's working through this, right? Escape death by the edge of the sword. There weakness was turned to strength. Watch that. Look at that. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to flight. Next verse. Watch this. Women received their loved ones back again from death. Full stop. Everybody shout miracles. miracles. Shout heroic accomplishments. Shout escapes. Oh, this is one of the things that's most attractive about uh, coming to faith, right? People say, well, Jesus, he's the son of God. He died on Calvary's cross. He, he, and on the third day, he rose with all authority of heaven and earth in his hands. 
uh, uh, and, and that same Jesus is the one who works miracles in my life. And so I need a miracle worked in my life, so I'm going to hook up with Jesus. And I, I need to escape some horrendous challenge, so I'm going to hook up with Jesus. And what this passage suggests is that as we dot our way through the biblical text from Genesis to Revelation, that yes, God will work miracles from time to time in our lives. He would intervene in, in incredible ways. Yes, Every now and then, God will give us an escape. Shout escape. Yesterday, I got a call from my uh, son. And uh, he said, Dad, and those of you who are parents, you know that when your children call you, usually in the first word, you can surmise the direction that the conversation is going. <laughs> so he said, Dad, and I just could sense that this is moving in a certain direction. He said, Dad, I had a car accident. And, and my first question to him was, are you okay? And he answered, yeah, Dad, I'm fine. I say then everything is okay. Because if he's okay, Nothing else really matters. Everything else is replaceable. Amen. And it turns out he had the car accident. Somebody rammed him in the back. He was in front of the police station when it all happened. <laughs> Something about grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, and then I was saying to his mama, me and his mama later on that night, uh, last night, uh, yesterday evening, we just started praying. We thank God for creating an escape for our son. See, so God does from time to time, create escapes. Shout, but. That's not always the norm. You see, God calls us to live life as life is in its brokenness. And more times than not, God does not create an escape. And so if you go back to the rest of this, this is why I love. And so here's, here's the misnomer. So people join up with Jesus because they feel like, I need a miracle. I need an escape. And, and they see God move in a very dramatic way. And they say, awesome, I'm going to walk with Jesus. And then they wake up in tragedy and in trouble. And they say, well, God, you didn't show up. You must not be real. And then they walk away. But that is anti-faith. That's not what the Bible actually teaches real faith is. And notice if you go back to verse 35, put it back up there, verse 35. 5 and 36 37 watch what happens here's 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 the other side of the story but others shout but others all of us are in the but others sometime or another we we are here but most of the time we are in the but others but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free they placed their hope in a better resurrection etc 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 shout grit what this text suggests is that to follow Jesus, you have to have faith that has grit. Grit. Wow. You know, one of my favorite stories, uh, uh, let me frame it this way. We will escape, but ultimately God does not call us to be escapers. He calls us to be overcomers. If you go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, this is an insight here for me. Uh, it begins, most of us who are in the church know this passage. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will 
come, if anyone will let me, here is my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. But it's the next verse that is so insightful. Watch the next verse. He then says, to him who what? Overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also what? Jesus' chief paradigm for himself is not an escaper because we know he went through the Garden of Gethsemane, he went through the crucifixion, he went through death. He's not an escaper. He is an overcomer. And he says that if you're going to be his follower, that you are called, I am called to be an overcomer. And it takes grit. Shall grit. See? I said grits, I said grits, I said grits. (laughs) It takes grit to be an overcomer. It takes a faith that has at the very heart of it grit. That when sickness comes and knocks it down, grit. When divorce comes, grit. When you lose your job, grit. When you run out of money to go to school, grit. Tori Smith is playing in the Super Bowl today because the grit at the heart of his faith didn't create an escape but made him an overcomer. You know, one of my favorite passages, favorite stories of, in the Bible is a story about a fellow by the name of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan. Jonathan is the best friend of David. And in 1 Samuel chapter 4, you'll discover that when Mephibosheth was four years old, he was dropped. And because he was dropped, his, his ankles were crushed, and he would grow up being crippled in both feet. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, you'll discover that uh, his, Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, and Saul, his grandfather, is ultimately killed. David becomes king. And he remembers that he owes Jonathan a pledge to do right by his family. And so he discovers that Mephibosheth, because he's crippled in both feet, has been put out of the city and put in that community that, quote unquote, is where the throwaways live. So David calls Mephibosheth to come to to the kingdom, to the palace. And I always can imagine because the way Mephibosheth got around is kind of like he had to stick right and he had to put it in a place and, it is, and he had to make his way right and people were jeering and laughing at him because he's crippled in both feet and he comes before the king and the king says, listen, uh, 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 because of who your daddy was, I'm going to restore to you all the profit and all the wealth that you've lost. As a matter of fact, I've got a seat for you at the king's table. So when I sit down at the table and all my boys are there, you're going to be at the table because I'm restoring to you the royalty and the destiny that's owed to you. And then in verse 13, here's my favorite part of the text. In verse 13 of the chapter, it says, and so Mephibosheth is seated at the king's table, but he remains crippled. In both feet. 
Oh, you see the point, don't you? I hope you see the point. You see, you see, see, some of us think that in order for us to slip into the destiny that God has for us, that we have to reverse our crippleness. But the reality is, it's not the reversing of the crippleness. You see, if you look into Tory Smith's life, I bet you he still has some consequences that comes from the trauma. I, I, I bet you that, that, that he still has some of his yesterdays, come on, that is still wrapped up in his, in his life today. He still has pain. He still has memories. He still maybe has some broken habits that comes out of that he's still crippled in both feet but he's playing in the Super Bowl today because despite the fact that he's crippled you crippled and I'm crippled in both feet we can still become overcomers y'all and be what God has called us to be So to the person who's struggling with mental health challenges, the person who's struggling with physical, you're in a wheelchair, the person who is, is, is saddled with domestic violence is a part of your history, uh, the person who graduates out of a special need program, I don't care who you are, where you are, the fact is God can make you an overcomer. Amen. But you need grit mixed up with your faith. I often say this, in life you've got two choices. You can either be overcome or you can be an overcomer. You can either allow your history to overcome you or you can overcome it. You can allow the brokenness in your life to overcome and define you or you can overcome it. You can allow God, if you have grit, to take your weakness of yesterday and turn it into your strength for today. Can somebody say grit? Praise God. All right. So how does this work? The last few minutes of our time together. Everybody shout how. How. The, 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 the characteristics that gives us grit, uh, the characteristics that one needs to have in order to have grit, also creates for us a road map so if we look at our lives, we say we're not gritty enough. Gritty enough. So I want to be more gritty. Tell the person next to you, eat your grits. Eat your grits. Tell them. So, so what, what, what do I do to be more gritty? Well, there's three things that I want to suggest that you do, and it comes out of this text. The first insight is that you need to live a life and engage with life in a way that you work with a particular distant goal or objective, objective in your view. Everybody shout distant. All right. Here's, here's how it shows up in the text. Verse 33. Let's go back to there. Here's the framing of all of the, of, 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 the, of the of how everything rolls forward, the good and the bad. It starts right here. By faith. Shout by faith. faith. That what frames everything after that is this notion that these people want to be a part of God's story. So they have a view, they have a picture in their mind of how they want their lives to end. You need a picture in your life, in your mind, of how you want your life to end. You need a picture in your mind, how do you want your life to look at its most pinnacle moment. You need a picture in your mind that, that declares that, 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 that when, I, when I leave the planet, what do I want the story to be? 
That's a distant view. Shout distant view. And I say you need one of those pictures for your public life and you need one of those pictures for your private life. At the end of the day, at the pinnacle of your life, what do you want your children to say about you? What do you want your parents to say about you? What, 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 what do you want your, your, your extended family to say about you? At, when you leave the planet, what is the legacy do you want to leave in your house? Shout distant view. So you need a distant view. You need a picture, a picture for your public life and a picture for your private life. Here's another way of saying it. You need to make sure that what you do in your day-to-day life is connected to the God's divine purposes. God's eternal purposes. These people were farmers. They were craftsmen. They were parents. These by-faith people but they connected to their God's eternal purpose. Distant view. The second thing you need is the capacity to stay the course. Everybody shout, stay the course. Talked about this a little bit last week. It is a, it is a quiet determination to keep moving. Notice how that shows up in the text. If you go to verse 35, uh, and read the second half of verse 35. You get past the miracle and then watch this. But others were tortured. Watch, uh, shout, stay the course. Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They stayed the course. They placed their hope in a better life after resurrection. They stayed the course. In other words, here's one of the challenges of our culture that we need to make sure we don't fall into. In our culture, it seems to be uh, 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 the, 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 the rogue thing to do, the end the thing to do, that, 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 you know, I jump into a relationship until it gets hard, then I jump out. I'm ready to go to school as long as it's easy, but when it gets hard, then I stop and I do something else. I pursue this career, but then when I have some bumps in the rust, I'll forget it. I just go do something else. I join a church or I become a part of a family, but when it starts getting shaky and funky, oh, I just go do something else. You see, and you don't have what the Bible would call grit. Now, here's the problem. When you watch the Super Bowl today, watch this. Everybody playing in the Super Bowl had a long, had a distant view of where they wanted to end up at. And no matter what happened in their lives, they didn't quit. And then, here's, watch this. Here's, it's a beautiful display of what happens when you watch the game. Listen, is the game over in the first five minutes? No, it's about three, and a half, three hours plus. That's why they have so many commercials where they're making all that money. So you can't be over in the first five minutes. I need to make some money. <laughs> Is it over because somebody goes, hut, hut, and they throw and they get a touchdown and that's up? No. What happens in the game? In the game, there's somebody, there's a hike, there's a ball pass, there's a ball given away, and some receiver gets the ball, they start to run, and then they run into an obstacle, y'all. It's called a big linebacker. 
that knocks him down uh, and, and he gets back up and somebody else is knocked down. The arm is hurt. The leg is hurt. But they say, coach, don't take me out of the game. Why? Because I've got a long-term view and you keep it and, and, and you know where the goal is and you fall and you're up and you fall and you try and you fall and you stay at it and you stay at it and you stay at it. And the person who wins is the one who perseveres to the end. Come on, tell the person next to you, please don't forget to eat your grits. You need something. You've got to have a faith that helps you to stick. You persevere. I saw this in my own grand-aunt's life. As I thought about this, I was so blessed, the people who raised me. Towards the end of my grand-aunt's life, she dealt with cancer. I went with treatment, home from treatments to home, from treatments to home. She had vertigo, chronic vertigo, which means the world was always spinning 24 hours a day for her. And yet, she would say to me on Tuesday nights, come on, son, help me. And she'd be trembling, and she'd grab my arms. She'd say, get me to the car. And I'd get her to the car, and we'd hit on towards prayer meeting because she wanted to get to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. First Sunday, communion Sunday is like what we've had. Come on, son, help me. Get me, help get me dressed. And I, I, got to, I got to get to church. And, and, and the long-term view that she had, here's how she would describe it. And she said it so often. She, said, she, said, she says, I'm looking forward to the day when I can hear him, she's talking about God, say to me, servant, well done. That was the picture that she kept in her mind. That was the picture that kept her getting up. That was the picture that kept her going. And when I pulled back the, the rug, the, the, the lens, and I think, well, wow, that's how she actually raised me because I was a, a knuckle-headed, hard-headed, hard-stopping, pain-delivering kid. But God gave her a view when I was little about who he wanted me to be. And she never let go of that view. And that just kept her working and praying and working and praying. And, 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 and at the end of the day, I'm here because she had grit. Amen, amen. Grit. Does your faith have grit? So at the end of the day, when I say you've got to have a picture of a, of a distant picture of who you want to be, where you want to end up at, and you got to frame that picture. It's not just a picture of where you want to be. The picture ought to be framed by this question. Is, 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 is the picture going to make God smile? Is it where God wants me to be? Whether a parent or public servant. Then here's where it ends. So I, I, I need, if you're going to have grit, you need to create a distant picture of a goal or object you're pursuing at all costs. You need to decide that you're going to press forward with a quiet determination, no matter what. And then you need to refuse, shout refuse. That's a choice. You see, it's a choice. Tell the person next to you, that's a choice. Tell them it's a choice. You need to refuse to quit in the face of obstacles and pain. Could I be talking about your marriage now? 
Could I be talking about your going to school now? Could I be talking about your job now? Could I be talking about the hope you have for your grandkids now? Refuse to quit in the face of great obstacles and pain. Steve Young, famous quarterback for the San Francisco's 49ers. Oh, you follow football, you know him. Tells a great story. He says he was a high school star. And... Uh, when he went to college, Brigham Young, they recruited him, and they made him eighth string. There were seven quarterbacks ahead of him. And they put him in charge of what was called the Hamburger Squad. Everybody shout, Hamburger Squad. The Hamburger Squad was all of the folk on the team that was never going to play in a real game. They put them in a squad and they let Steve be the quarterback so they could run the plays to help the defensive team to get better and better and better. So Steve calls home after about a month or two there and he says to his daddy, Dad, I can't take it anymore. I, I would have quit. His father said, okay, quit. His father said, but don't come home. Because <laughs> he said, I don't live with quitters. He said, boy, I've taught you all your life that you, I, I, I didn't raise you to be a quitter. Shout grit. Yes. And so Steve got off that phone call. He was the first to practice, the last to leave. And then when practice was over, there was a big old uh, kind of a volleyball net thing looking there. To, and, 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 and he said he, behind the team house and, and, and from January to February, he would just in an imaginary way uh, hike and throw a spiral in there. He said he threw 10 thousand spirals into that net by himself day in and day out in 30 days by the next year his sophomore year he moved from eight to number two his junior year he moved from number two to number one his senior year he wasn't just number one the main quarterback he was named the most outstanding quarterback in college quarterback in the nation then he came to play for the 49ers. Shout grit. Watch this. Watch the lesson. Watch the lesson. And when he got on the 49ers team, he sat on the bench behind Joe Montana for four years. But the lesson of grit that he learned in college did him well to not quit. Some of you, you feel like you're on a bench on a bench in your career, on a bench in your dreams, on a bench in your relationship. But listen, let me just ask you a question. Here's what he figured out. He said, well, since I'm on a bench, I've got one of the best quarterbacks in history. Maybe I ought to learn from him. So he started learning from Joe Montana, and he stayed on the bench learning. And then when the time came, the door opened, and he was ready, and he stepped forward and became a history-making quarterback. The 49ers. Some of you, you are on the bench, but you're not on the bench to cry. You're on the bench to develop. What do you need to do to develop? That's the secret about working through difficulties of life. God uses tough 
life to develop you, to make you and I overcome us. Notice how this text ends as we wrap this up. Come on, put it back up there, verse 35. Uh, 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 verse 35, it talks about in 36 to torture those who refused to give up. Verse 37, it talks about those who are, who are, who are jeered and, and, and cut in half and, and whooped with whips and, and all of that. And then, that, 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 then it, it ends up in verse 40, it says, and some of them died without seeing the promise. They died without seeing how God was going to work it all out. You know, this is a journey of faith, y'all. Sometimes, sometimes we, we, will, we will leave the planet without seeing how God is going to work it all out. My grand aunt, when she left the planet, when she died, she all she knew is that I was a second year student in college and that my life had turned around, but she didn't get to see how it all worked out. But, 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 but then chapter 12 opens. This is my favorite part, y'all. And, and this is where the Hebrew writer is trying to get to. He says, now that we have such a great cloud of witnesses uh, that surrounds us. In other words, gritty people who, 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 who stayed the course, who trusted God. Now they are part of that eternal uh, arena and they can see all the way through eternity and they can see how it all's been worked out in Jesus so now the text says watch this therefore since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight every doubt every despair everything that tempts us to quit and throw up our hands let us lay it aside the sin which so easily ensnares us everything that gets us out of sync with God's purposes for our lives and let us run with that the word is endurance out endurance that's grit y'all run with grit the race that is set before us keeping our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith <laughs> then here is where the text surprises us it identifies Jesus as the one with ultimate grit for the joy that was set before him. He what? Endured the cross. That's punishment in God's Gethsemane. That's beaten for several days. That's the worst death on the planet that's being buried. He endured the cross. Come on. He had grit, y'all. And, and, but, 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 but the grit didn't just take him in. It brought him through. Y'all ain't listening. Uh, and it is now set on the right hand of the Father. So it tells me that Jesus has grit. Now, here's the insight. Jesus doesn't give up. That means he doesn't give up on you. And he doesn't give up on me. Isn't that good news? I don't care how bad you are, how broken I am, how messed up we are. The one who endured the cross, despising its shame, says, I will never give up on you. Can everybody say grit? Give God a hand.